you know, this is talked about ad nauseum and content creator space, but you know, the number of followers means jack shit. Seriously. Right. I mean, so true. Welcome to the Spicy Chai Podcast. I'm Mara Kimthias. I host this podcast and still work a successful and fulfilling nine to five. My guests are content creators just a bit ahead of you. You will hear about their struggles and wins. Learn from their mistakes so that you can avoid making them. So grab a cup of spicy chai and let's get started. Aaron Baker is back for season two. For all those that want to hear more about their story, tune into season one because we're not going to do that today. But they have added one more accomplishment in their sea of accomplishments, which is now they are a best-selling author of the book, joyful as fuck the essential business strategy we're afraid to put first wow and welcome back to season two thank you and i think you're the first person who's said the as fuck part everybody is joyful af (laughs) (laughs) so softly yeah and it's like joyful like not the joyful like j-o-y-f-u-l for people listening it's actually j-o-y f-u-l-l and i have this book and i know people who are listening won't be able to see this but i have this book right in front of me and do you see the amount of post-its i have erin so yeah this is kind of what i meant by i'll be going through all the random stuff that i'll pick out and i have questions about and just want to speak to you about so you have to just be prepared for a lot of random shit yeah i am ready for this i love it let's ask about so it's a random thing to say. Let's hear about your journey as an author. Like, why did you decide, okay, you know what? Now it's time for me to write this book. Yeah. So let me start with, this wasn't the book that I set out to write. So uh-huh. 2020. What? This is I, brand new information. information? <laughs> yeah, right. So this is the book that I set out to write. And I had a podcast back in 2020 called Life in the And. Mark was actually on the podcast talking about what? a really awesome and about being a disaster and a master. And I started thinking, wow, there's so much good gold here in this stuff. I sh- really could write a book on this. And I will say I started the process of writing a book completely selfishly because I had told myself a story that I'm not the kind of person that can write a book. And I thought, you know what? What if I challenged that? What if I can write a book? And so I started off with this idea of like, let me look at all these ands, Life in the End podcast and write a book. And then I started getting into it and I went, no, I'm actually kind of bored by this, (laughs) which reminded me of one of your other distinctions, which is if it's not fun, do it something else, right? If it's not fun, pivot. So pivot, pivot, right? Pivot. (laughs) So I started thinking, well, okay, well, what do I want to share? And so I went back and looked at, well, what have I learned over the past few years in business? And I got out colored pencils and I started mapping out the wins I had in green and the failures I had in red and the insights I had and just all these things. And I started to look back and I went, oh, I have some really interesting things to teach here. And so you know, on what helped me thrive in business. And I had this imagination about it being in the wilderness and how we have to like survive, not to survive, but thrive. And so I started writing this whole book called Hustle, 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 (laughs) right? And so I started off with, I'm writing a book called Life About And. Then I moved to this thing called The 10 Essentials. And then I kept being like, no, I'm not having fun. And I couldn't put a finger on what was wrong with the whole thing. And I finally said, you know what? I'm shelving the book maybe I'm not meant to write a book. Maybe this, what if I can? Well, what if I can't? And as I paused, some of the concepts kept coming back from, 
you know, colleagues and friends. And so one day I asked my wife, Meryl, you know, like, what are your business friends struggling with? And she said something very vague, like they don't want to hate themselves or their business. And for some reason, my brain went, well, what's the positive side of that? What do they really want or need? And the word joy came out of my mouth. And joy was not in my vocabulary before this. It was in other people's vocabularies, but not mine. And then I started looking back at that timeline I did in colored pencils. And I went, oh, this is a timeline of my journey. And every time it's green is because I was pursuing joy. And every time it's red is because I got clenchy and needy and lost my joy. So I thought, great, I'm going to write a book on joy. Smooth sailing from here, right? <laughs> I mean, so what much. could go wrong? You just wanted to write right? like, book. What could That's go it. wrong? Like it's so simple. Aaron. Right? Please. It's right. So, <laughs> yeah. so simple to write a book. Yeah. So I said to myself, there's two things. If I'm going to write a book on joy, two things need to happen. One is I have to be joyful as fuck as I write it. And two, it has to be joyful to read. I will tell you, keeping to those two requirements was the hardest fucking thing yeah. because there's so much that comes up when you write a book about being a good writer, being you know coherent. Am I saying something useful? Where does this go in the book? What is the, the structure, the chapters? And then I have a background in academia. I have a background in tech writing. And so it's really easy no to big get deal. real serious. You know? <laughs> yeah. No big deal. Just like small accomplishments. So I kept hitting all these small accomplishments, right? But so all I kept finding was I just kept hitting these walls of I'm losing the joy, I'm losing the joy. And so finally, I was really, you know, a year and a half into this at this point going, am I really not cut out to write a book? And I thought, okay, I'm gonna do one last ditch effort. And I, I went back to my former career was in tech, and we did user research. And so what we would do is interview people. And when an insight came up, we'd put it on a post-it note. And then at the end of, you know, talking to eight, 10 people, we'd have all these post-it notes. And then we'd figure out what's the story that we tell the product managers. I love that so the much. Insights, right? Yes. So I thought, well, what if that's my book? Because I kept having all these issues with structure and where does this go and what are the chapters? So I said to my book coach, what if I just do post-it note insights, right? I write little chapters. It was chapters at the time. And what if I give myself full permission to just be left with a bunch of post-it notes that don't tell a story? They ended up telling a story at the end naturally, but I gave myself full permission to have a book that was so unconventional that it didn't have a narrative or a linearity. It just had all these bite-sized insights. And then I realized, oh, I lose the joy when I open Microsoft Word because that academic self comes out and that tech yeah. person comes out. And plus, Word and is so, so boring. It, just it, is, so boring. it is boring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not joyful. It's not. So my book coach had this brilliant thing where she said, you know what, Aaron, you're great in conversation. There's a reason you loved to podcast. Yay. What if you record everything into your phone as if you're talking to somebody? And so that's when the book finally clicked. I started recording these bite-sized post-it note insights into my phone. And it took only about a month, month and a half to go from, you know, I don't know if I'm going to have a book to 60,000 words that then wow. we edited and expanded on. Yeah. And so now when you read the book, it's really that column conversations instead of chapters, because they were initially a conversation between me and an imaginary person on the other end of my phone. 
And I love that's, that so that much. That was the joyful way to write. And I think from what I'm hearing, that's joyful for people to read. Oh, yeah. I had a lot of fun reading it. And, you know, I think for me, it was just so much fun that I was able to just pick out pieces and just go from chapter to chapter. Like, I didn't have to read it from A to B or C mm-hmm. to D. Like, you know, for me, I was like, okay, I'm going to go read this chapter because this just seems very interesting to me right now. And then yeah. that chapter led to another chapter. Choose that's your own adventure. Yeah, that's so, the beauty of the book. Right. And so my second book that was to 10 Essentials all about adventure. Actually, the more adventuresome book was the one that I wrote is as joyful AF because you could actually choose where you went. And it's all about what's your joy, right? Yes. Joyfully read it your way. I love that. So tell me more about like all the stuff that came up for you while you were writing this book. Like we know about the struggles most Mm -hmm. first time book authors go through, but I don't Mm -hmm. think anyone really talks about it as much. Yeah. So I would love to hear like what came up for you. Uh, So much. And part of the reason I took the long winded route and telling the whole two years of the story is because it's important to know that there was stuff that was coming up right at the beginning that was led to this two years. One was, what am I writing about? What do I have to say to the world? Is this valuable? So the reason the and book didn't really resonate, I was like, well, what's the story here? What do I want people to take away from it? You know, other than it's a bunch of really cool concepts. Yeah, there were really cool concepts though. Really yeah. cool concepts, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but I didn't have a coherent, like, why is this valuable? So there was yeah. a whole lot of that coming up and like, well, if it's not valuable, I don't have a story. Why am I writing this? Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the early stages of writing were all around, what is it that I have to say that's valuable for people? And then going back and forth on, am I writing a memoir? Am I writing a business book? What's the audience? You know, you've read the book now. It's about business but it's about so much more. But if I had written a book that was just about joy in general, it wouldn't have spoken to people the way it speaks to people in, in business and is actually speaking to people beyond. So like, right. so much was, who's my ideal reader? What do they need to hear? What do I need to say? And then that's just the intellectual side of things, right? Then there right. was the deeper, am I qualified to say this? Right. Am I yeah. a good writer? Am I being clear? Is what I'm offering, you know, once you've got something in your head, it becomes this, you think everybody knows it, right? Right. Uh, It's called the curse of knowledge. So everything I was writing was like, is this at all useful? Don't people know this already? You know, and then every time I hit a roadblock, it was, am I not meant to be a writer? Am I not good at this? What's wrong with me that I can't, that it's taking me so long? What's wrong with me that I've gone through two different book iterations before joy, you know, so easy to just spend. And that's part of the reason I kept losing joy because I kept setting all these expectations for myself of what it meant to be an author and a good writer. I was supposed to be doing this faster. I was supposed to be Mm. doing this funnier. I was supposed to be doing this more lighthearted, more serious, like all these rules. Right. Unwritten rules, like you said in the book. And so (laughs) that's part of the reason I ended up doing the recording in my phone is because Mm. I didn't have unwritten rules about how to speak into my phone. I had unwritten rules about what happens when you open Microsoft Word right. to write a book. Yes. And I think many people do. Do you mind elaborating on the unwritten rules part? Because oh, I know it's yes. in the book, but I would yeah. love for you to just go deeper into that. Right oh, now. And it's something I love talking about because I think it's yeah. one of the biggest things that steals our joy, mm-hmm. right? In any endeavor that we're going through. So for me, I was writing a book, but I also have unwritten rules about social media. I have unwritten rules about how I show up as a coach. I have unwritten rules of what it means to be a business owner. And really, when I say unwritten rules, it's the things we've told ourselves we're supposed to do, or this is the rules and regulations of the road. So 
I write a lot in the book about Instagram. You know, my unwritten rules about Instagram were you have to have a pretty Canva graphic. And I would constantly be like, well, is this a story? Is this a grid post? And well, it's a grid post only if it's really valuable. Or if it's really pretty. (laughs) If it's really pretty. Yeah. And only post once a day, but make sure you post every day. And oh, make sure you're sharing enough about your life and your stories that people don't think you're just a boring business person. Like imagine the number of things that are unconsciously and consciously in our heads every day as we're showing up Mm -hmm. that we have decided our truth of how we have to do something. And, you know, you can sit and look at any aspect of what you're doing personally and professionally and probably come up with a dozen rules. Some of them might be true. Right. But what I have people do, and I do this for myself, is once you've got that list of unwritten rules, start looking at them and going, which one do I want to go test if it's true? Right. Right. So what if I go test the idea that I don't have to do a Canva graphic for every grid post? I've been playing with one of the unwritten rules was, you know, for so long on Instagram, everybody had these like very well manicured grids, right? Where all all the colors are the same. And, you know, sometimes there's a brand brand or thing. Yeah. Or people will have like every other post. Like I know I've seen somewhere like every other post is a post of them as a picture. And then like they have all these methods. So I started testing the idea like what if my grid doesn't have that coherent brand i mean i try to Mm -hmm. some degree when i feel like it to like make things coherent but i was like what if it's okay if it doesn't have this like pretty window dressing right people (laughs) still follow me yeah people still find my content interesting and what does that mean about me it's so true and so one at a time when you start breaking those rules and rewriting the rules for yourself that's when joy can come back into the process it's when we show up somewhere and say okay well how do i conform to how this is supposed to be if that doesn't fit with how we want to show up that's going to be a joy suck certainly will be and to break it down for everyone listening today you know because i do love doing that is i'm a beginner creator and i've just heard okay, I know about these unwritten rules now, but for me, I'm like, well, well, what does that mean? So maybe I'll take out a pen and paper. Maybe I'll open up Word if that feels good to me. Or maybe I'll just start recording on my phone, just in a notepad or whatnot, and just say, okay, well, I think if I need to create videos on TikTok, or if I feel like I need to create posts on Instagram, it has to be the best video. It has to be really well edited. Or the Instagram mm-hmm. posts have to be beautiful on Canva. And then I write all of the rules that I have around posts, or I have to post yeah. every day of the week and I have to post three times a day sometimes yes some TikTok creators say that right and like you said post about my life and be interesting and be funny and be entertaining or is this valuable to someone a picture of me drinking coffee is that even worth posting and write about all those unwritten rules and then like you said I love that see which ones I can go challenge up can I post pictures of me just drinking coffee just because I want to (laughs) you know and just challenge them and I I love that concept so much because it just goes back into how we can become more aware of what's playing in the unconscious because we're just on automatic doing things and we're like oh yeah I know what I'm doing but when you sit down you're like wait what are some rules that I have about this like you said that some might make sense and Mm -hmm. some might just you're just like okay well this is ridiculous this does not make any sense I don't know why I thought this was a rule to begin with and I think the awareness when you start writing the rules down just as you were naming you know all the off the top of your head the rules that you might have on social media I was exhausted thinking how is people don't post right you're keeping track of all these things and sometimes you're keeping track of completely competing rules 
be funny. Don't be too funny. Be yeah. professional. Don't be too professional. Right. That's and true. so you get caught in this like internal tug of war. Yeah. And post then, often, but don't post too often. Uh, like, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you get like exhausted by this. And of course you don't want to show up. Of course you put pressure on yourself to have it perfect all the time. And it's just the easiest way for the joy to be completely sapped from any experience. Absolutely. And I'll say the thing that I think is really profound, once you start challenging the rules, is actually setting the new rules. Oh, yes. You don't have to call them rules because that sounds rigid. But like, I love having the like, post whenever I goddamn well please rule. And the like, go into Canva when you feel like playing in Canva. Exactly. (laughs) And so maybe they're more GPS, you know, compass guidelines, but not (laughs) rules. But then once you start looking at all the rules you're following that you don't want to follow, it really can become a fun exercise to say, well, cool, what do I want to say my new declarations rules are for showing up and how can I play and have really a lot of fun with what those are. Yeah. And what was coming up for me while you were saying that is when we do things just because we want to do them and just because we're having that fun and the process is joyful for us, then we don't care as much about the results either. Right. Because then let's say we do spend seven hours editing a video and let's say it gets seven views. We don't give a fuck because we're like, hey, what? I had so much fun doing that. That felt authentic to me. And I'll keep doing this and I'll keep showing up because this is fun for me as well. So I think there's that piece that people need to hear as well, that when you start having fun in the process, because you hear this a lot, enjoy the process. Don't worry about the results. Have fun in the process. But like, how do you have fun in the process? Well, by actually having fun. Yeah. (laughs) And there's nothing wrong with it. Yes. And having a ball figuring out what, what fun looks like for you. Yes. And I will say, energetically, people feel that on the other end. Mm -hmm. I mean, a colleague of mine actually posted that she spent three hours on a reel that was like five seconds long and I saw her post that and then I saw the reel and I was like I can feel the energy behind how much fucking fun she had and it was it was one of the best I still I share that reel with people all the time because I'm like look at this you can just tell this person just fucking loved doing this reel and it wasn't profound it wasn't something that necessarily like game changed her business or anything you can tell on other side energetically when she's showing up as this is what I have to do to be a social media content creator versus a legit business owner right yeah versus fuck it this is so much fun I love that and I'm gonna take a tangent and go into the book right now and I'm holding it up and the first thing that I do because these are post-its basically like we and guys I'm mentioned in this book you're famous so I'm pretty famous so not that I'm biased at all when you know popularizing this book for that reason but it was really awesome but anyway back to my question so you talk about this is a chapter called listen all you all it's a sabotage I um, love that title. Yeah. That was so joyful even coming up with that title. I love it. It's so like Texas as well. So Southern. It is. And it's also a Beastie Boys reference. So for anyone oh, yes, who yes. was born in, you know, the 90s, yes. there's a very famous song called, you know, listen all y'all, it's a sabotage. I love it. Again, we talked about this quote and we actually had this conversation in one of our mastermind calls. It's chase joy and success will chase after you. Mm-hmm. And you write in this book as well of like how when you asked me about that, a lot of stuff came up for me because I was like, oh, what do you mean chase joy? Because throughout my life, I had heard chase excellence and success will chase after you, which I totally got from like this really awesome movie, Three Idiots, the Bollywood movie. So if anyone hasn't watched it, please go watch it. it. It's on Netflix. It is actually awesome. So definitely watch it. But anyhow, back to like chase 
excellence and success because that made sense to me because I was like, okay, I have to become the best. I have mm. to hustle harder. I have to grind. And I love how you put it in the book as well, which I didn't even realize. I'm like, well, yeah, I do do that. I do follow all the hustlers. Like great Gary Vaynerchuk, <laughs> Tom, Billy, Alex, yeah. Ramosi. I'm like, oh my, did I not notice this about my own self? I was uh, waiting for you to come back and challenge me and go, Aaron, these are not the hustles and grinders. And I'd be like, <laughs> yeah. well, Mark, let, let's break this down. <laughs> <laughs> Literally Tom, Billy, you had a post yesterday. Better push harder and harder and harder. <laughs> That's oh boy. The way to go. <laughs> and I was like, oh shit. But yeah, when, when you asked me, well, what if you change that word from excellence to joy? Chase joy and success will chase after you. I reacted. I was like, well, what are you talking about? Chase joy. Like, if I'm having too much fun, that means I'm not doing things right. That comes up for so many people where they're like, well, yeah. you know, I don't want to work out, but it's not fun for me, but it's good for me. Or I don't want to do this, but I have to do this. What would you say when people bring those concerns up? When you say this to them, chase joy. Yeah. So there's a lot to unpack there. And I, this is one of my favorite stories from the book because you just so encapsulated the why would people have an objection really to this idea of joy, right? All the objections. There's the piece of like, well, I, I don't like working out, but I have to. I will challenge that and say, you don't like the current way you're working out. Have you even asked yourself if there's a joyful way to accomplish your goals? So true. That doesn't right? have to be CrossFit. <laughs> right. It doesn't have yeah. to be CrossFit. It doesn't have to be killing yourself. It can be a whole lot of different things. And, you know, there are some things, there are very few things in life that, you know, we have to do, like pay our taxes. So I'm right. not coming out here and advocating and saying, you know, just follow your joy and <laughs> don't follow responsibilities. None of that. Yeah. We don't want anyone in jail. Please pay your taxes. Please pay your taxes. <laughs> Please follow some of the basic laws. <laughs> Wear a seatbelt. <laughs> Even you know? if it's not joyful. <laughs> right. Safety first. But more so is the thing is, especially when it comes to business or any sort of goal pursuit. It's we've got this idea in our heads that going after things needs to be hard and that going after things needs to be, let's see, what's what's the word I want to use here? It's like almost if you're not miserable, you're not doing it right. Or, you know, just accepting the truth that certain things just have to happen. And we put a lot of value in ourselves as productive human beings. And so when it's hard, it feels more productive, right? So, so true. When, it, when it's yeah. miserable, it feels more productive, right? So yeah. like all of this stuff leads us to accept our fate as we're just not going to like some of the things that we have to do. We, Of course, we have to hustle. Of course, we have to grind. Of course, we have to follow that strategy that that business guru is talking about because they know best and yada, yada, yada. The other piece is we're not taught about what joy is really all about. And so sometimes we have these associations that, well, if I followed my joy, it means I would, you know, for you is I'd be on the couch watching Netflix, (laughs) eating McDonald's. Lazy motherfucker, homeless. Be a a lazy motherfucker. What that tells me, and I think I told you this, is that you probably need some rest before you can pursue your joy. And there's this feeling we have that pursuing our joy means shirking our responsibilities. Mm. And what that tells me is that our responsibilities have become too problematic in a way. So I tell people, if what you're thinking right now is a joyful pursuit is something like being on the couch watching Netflix, you need rest. Right, right. And then I say, if you haven't thought about joy in your business, that's because you haven't been or 
professional life, whatever it is, if you haven't been taught about how to pursue joy in that, that's because we haven't been taught how to pursue joy. That's true. And I we remember how to pursue excellence. Right. Yeah. And you had a great conversation with me about this, right? Like you never thought about, well, what would be the joyful way? Let's say, you know, we're on this podcast right now. What would be the joyful way to do spicy chai? I mean, right. you that was just sort of a mind blowing moment. It's true. Right. It's so true. And it definitely changed the way I kind of went about my podcast too, right? Because like, I think before even we, well, like, and we're, and we're working on this because we we do have an episode with the wonders. And I remember like getting on that and being so professional. And then mm-hmm. we, we got done with the recording and I'm like, oh, that didn't feel great. And I was like, man, why wasn't it being myself? Right. Because the unwritten rule for me was if it's my podcast, I have to be more professional. And after that recording, actually, I was like, I need to be more myself. This is right. why I started the podcast. And it's funny because I actually started when I started recording, like I was like that. And then obviously, as I became more and more popular, the pressure and everything started coming on me. And I'm like, oh, now more people are listening to me. So now I have to be more professional or I yes. have to be giving yes. them more value versus yep. I forgot that the reason people started listening to me was because they liked me and yes. my voice. So this is like so true everyone like honestly if you are a beginner podcaster and you're like well I don't know I don't know if I can be myself on my podcast yes you can and yes and I think you should (laughs) and I will say all the podcasts I do a lot of podcast interviews right now because I have a book out right and my favorite ones are the hosts who are you know just having fun having conversations swearing yes and doing (laughs) fuck this fuck that fuck fuck that right (laughs) And, and what's I think so profound about what what you're saying, right, is also as we get better at things, become more masterful at things. I'm going to quote you where yes. we give ourselves less permission to be a disaster. Yes. We give ourselves less permission to be creative, to be to innovate. And it's really easy when you start, let's say, a podcast to look around at how everybody else does it and decide that their way is yes. the right way. Or that's where I need to go next. That's or that's next where I need level. to go next. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so we lose our joy because we don't ask ourselves, well, what would make showing up to this podcast for me joyful every fucking time? Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and for me, it's joyful to be able to show up on a podcast and swear. Or I, just have a good conversation. I have a good conversation, yeah. right? Like yeah. A lot of people get into the interview or, you know, yes. space please, or what. tell me about these X amount of years. <laughs> right. <laughs> So I think it's really important for anyone, whether it's, you know, being a beginning podcaster or a content creator. I also want to say, if you're someone who has a message for the world and you go, well, should I start a podcast? Should I do social media? Should I do a blog? Should I be on YouTube? Listen to all those times I said, should. What do you want to do? So for me, I have a love-hate relationship with social media because I have a hard time feeling like it's a conversation. And you know, you know I've had this conversation yes. before, right? Yes. Where to me for whatever reason, like my joy is conversation. My superpower is conversation. Right. Your joy and your superpower are very aligned. Just so you know. <laughs> totally and are. So, zone so of genius. I, so zone of genius is, yes. is conversations. I struggle more on social media. And when I'm able to find it as a conversation, I have a lot of fun, but it's right. sometimes doesn't feel that way. Podcasts are a conversation for me. I wrote my book as conversations, right? Right. So I will say to listeners, think about what is your zone of genius? What is your joy? And find the mechanism of delivery that follows your joy. If if it's talking, if it's writing, if it's video, if it's whatever. Yeah. 
And that's so true because you see so many different creators doing different things now. Like some people will role play because they like acting. They just mm-hmm. love it. Some people will just be painting with like some voiceover on top. Like yes. they just enjoy painting and they just like recording that. And some people will yeah. be cooking and they'll yes. just be cooking and them doing voiceovers and talking about martial arts. Like, you know, just random. They're, like even on TikTok, there's this Korean mom and she just makes sushi. But she tells live stories while she's making the sushi. That's amazing. It's crazy, right? But she loves making sushi. So that's, she was like, all I was doing was doing something I love. And then voiceovers were stories. And I think she's like a transformation coach as well. I think that's when she tells stories. And I'm like, oh, this is so creative. And it was completely a hit. And, you know, and people were like, why would people want to watch like food videos when you're telling them stories? Well, you never know what people like, you know? Yeah. And your people will like what you like. Exactly. And it's, and even if there are people who might hate it, because there will be people who hate it. Oh yeah. Good. You know, good. Let them leave. Bring more of your own people in. And I think that's, that's one of the lessons that I think took me a long time to really get into. It's like, oh, it's okay for people to not like me. It's okay for people yes. to hate me. It's for okay for people to unsubscribe or unfollow, mm-hmm. even though it hurts me a lot. Telling I, I cry a lot, you know. But I mean, I hate it too. It, I, it's a human thing, right? Yeah. It's every time someone unsubscribe. What do I do? What did I do? Why? I <laughs> thought you liked me. You know? Right. No, it's it's one of those things you have to keep reminding yourself. Well, this is a good thing. This means I am yes. being more myself. I right. showing up more and more. And it's so interesting because we were starting to one of my really good friends and we were just like talking about this one creator and they were like, oh, this person posts too much. And I, and in my head, I was like, well, actually, I don't think they post enough. And it was so weird. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I actually feel like I don't think they post enough. I can just keep consuming them. And yeah. that reminded me of the same conversation we're having right now. It's like for yeah. some people, you'll be too much. And for some people, it's like, I cannot get enough of this person. What I think is really also profound about it is that your people, once they found you energetically aligned, will follow you no matter what you do. So a lot of, a lot of people are really afraid to like change their message over time. I'm someone who my social media is all about business owners. I will tell you secretly, my niche on coaching is all over the place because a lot of people come for me for different things. But I've often asked myself, you know, these, what if I pivot, right? So I pivoted my life in the end podcast to shift starters. And I thought, oh no, what if I pivot? I mean, thought it for a brief moment, but there's this this way in which once people have you energetically as an aligned fit, they're going to follow you no matter what. So you can, you don't have to stay stagnant once that's a thing that people get into. Okay. I'm, I'm being me and now people like this version of me. So I must have to stay here. Right. Again, going back to like, Oh, what do I have to do for people to continue liking me? No, just right. keep being yourself, keep, keep, keeping yeah. yourself and keep evolving. And yeah. you know, people surprisingly will come follow you. I'm watching a creator right now who's really evolving her message. And honestly, that message is not as aligned for me anymore as, Mm. as it could have been. And I love that she's doing that, you know, bringing along people who are aligned with her message. And I'm still going to follow her energetically because maybe her message isn't aligned for me right in this moment, Mm. but it might be in the future. And I just think it's really inspiring to be present to that. And to be have someone who's leading the way and willingness to just be with whatever's present for them right now and sharing that with the world. So true. I love that, that, you know, what your message keeps evolving. And not only that, but people who really like your energy will follow you no matter what. What? Like, no matter I really what. like that. Yeah. It's so yeah. true. You're like your vibe attracts your tribe. It does. Yeah. And, you know, this is talked about ad nauseum in <laughs> content creator space, but, you know, the number of followers means jack shit. Seriously. Right. right? I so, mean, so true. 
right? I have a very small following on social media, a very small email list, but I love that I have that. And, you know, I, I know who's on my list and I know how to write for the people on my list. And, you know, I have zero intentions of blowing up to, I mean, who knows, sometimes things go viral and you can't control it, but like, I don't have aspirations for more and more and more. I have aspirations for more aligned, better people who like my energy, the community piece of it, right? Like the connection, the community. that's what makes it a conversation on social media for me is when it's small, intimate, and I know people. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. We're going to go into another. I love that you have post-its because considering the whole book is post-it note insights in my head. I know. I know. And here I have more post-its here. So here you said running a business is about playing the long game. And the only way to be in it for the long game is to put joy first. So we've talked about this a little bit. But Mm. you talk about this long game and putting Mm. joy first. So what does that mean for someone who's, let's say, a creator and thinking about a side hustle or thinking about starting their Mm. own business? Yeah. So let's start before I talk about joy. Let's talk about this long game because I think it's really, really important. Right. I agree. I agree. I will say when I started my business back in mid mid 2018, I remember talking to my financial advisor, who's a very dear family friend of mine. And she said, I'm all on board with you doing this, but promise me that you're going to commit to five years. And she said that because, you know, in her head, she's talking about it takes a while to get things up and running, to get a name for yourself, but also economic cycles happen. And then when COVID hit, she actually said, add a year. And then when COVID extended for another year, she said, add another year. So I'm, you know, always have been, this is a longer game, right? Things take time and What's unfortunate in the business world and the content creator world is that sort of overnight success story. Yeah. And that overnight success. The outliers. outliers. Yeah. And the overnight success guarantee. And you've got to understand that everything you're doing is building up towards something in the future. You may not know what that looks like. I think sometimes people get too trapped into where they want to be in five years and life just sort of doesn't always adhere to whatever you think you're going to do. But so knowing that you're going to be in the long game, that it's going to take time for whatever goal you have, if it's to grow a following, if it's to, you know, make a business out of something, I can't imagine knowing I'm going to be in something for a long time and then saying, and it's okay, I'm miserable, (laughs) right? So true. Okay. That I feel meh, right? I mean, I, I don't even have a better way to describe that other than there is no way to sustainably stay in something and especially something, you know, whether you're making money off of your content creation or not, there's going to be ups and downs, right? And you can't sustain yourself through ups and downs if you're not really prioritizing, how do I have as much joy as possible in this, right? Because if you're miserable and then you hit a down, God, that's awful. I mean, it's awful, right? That is awful. And I love that in this book, you have all these like um, goal traps and, you know, these unwritten rules and all these exercises that people can actually go through to figure out like, okay, well, if I'm starting something that could potentially make me money, or maybe there's another version of success, like, you know, more followers or maybe more community, whatever that version of success looks like for you. Could you like talk about two or three of those tools that someone could use today that could help them? put more joy in their long-term business. So I have my magic bean jar. There's actually, this one's full. And then I have another jar that started. So 
this is one of my favorite concepts is this idea of magic beans. And, you know, I just said a few minutes ago, right, that it takes time and that things, you know, have to, you know, percolate. So I really think there's, there's this saying about, you know, you got to plant seeds, whatever you're doing. And I, I find that to be a boring concept (laughs) because to me, when I think of seeds, I think of like a vegetable garden (laughs) and I think of, okay, you put in, you know, a specific vegetable, like a zucchini, you expect a zucchini to grow. You kind of know when it will grow. That is not how any of this works. (laughs) So true. (laughs) Right. In, in this entrepreneurial space, right. It's more like you might plant a, I'm going to call it a seed for now. I'll go back to beans. You might plant a seed, may not grow at all. You have no idea. So true. Um, you don't know when it'll grow. You don't know if it's going to grow. You don't know what it's going to turn into. And you don't know what the seed is for. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's, yeah, it, yeah. It, and when it sprouts, it's like magic. Yeah. So I think of them as magic beans. And the idea is that you go out and do things that bring you joy right now. Right. Right now I'm on this recording with you. This brings me joy. So I'm going to put a bean in my jar after our conversation. Yay. Will that sprout into anything in the future? I don't fucking know, but maybe. Yeah. And so the idea, right, is to put a bean in the jar knowing that I just, I can look at this jar and I can count. I've probably done 600 joyful things this year. I love that. Right. And And if that's all it ever is. that visually. Right. Right. If that's all that I've ever seen. Perfect. And I can trust at this point because I know from experience that some of those beans in that jar are going to turn into something. It could be six months from now. It could be a year from now. And the more I joyfully do things just for the joy of it, the more likely some of those things will come to fruition as opportunities in the future. And oftentimes there'll be ones I could have never seen coming. So that is one way. That's the best part, right? Yeah. Yeah. So many times when we have one-year goals or five-year goals like we have Uh a certain vision of what we think are possibilities Uh but when you just like you said keep planting those magic beans everywhere I love that concept so much because then things can come up that you haven't even thought of dreamed of so you're not boxing yourself anymore in terms of what the universe or god or whoever you believe in has in store for you 100 percent. and the the key is to stay without agenda right yeah so i came on this podcast because having a joyful conversation with one of my best friends is the is the best right yes absolutely so I love that. And I love the visual reminder. So I recommend anyone. I have jelly beans in my jar. I don't get tempted by jelly beans. <laughs> I recommend something in your jar that you don't get tempted to eat. Yeah, I know, like, oh, in shit. In a bad night. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, yeah. so you ask for, you know, a couple of things. That's one thing that I think is really important and fun to play with. Another one is, you know, thinking about something that doesn't bring you joy, but you still like talking about the gym, right? Yeah. Oh, you know, I think of things like networking events. I also think I talk about this in the book about also, you know, I don't love when people say no to things. And so finding something that, that like either you're a little bit hesitant about its joyfulness, right? Or you're really afraid to do the thing. You really don't like it. One way to joyfully pursue that is to turn it into a game. And so I talk a lot about like, okay, networking. People hate, a lot of people hate networking. Turn it into a bingo game. So make a little board for yourself before you get on, if it's virtual, on the virtual call, if it's in person, make yourself a little, you know, board and then put a little things like have a conversation where I don't share anything about myself. They do the, all the talking or have a conversation where it takes five minutes before I know what they do for a job or (laughs) 
it's so funny because it's sounding like you know how when when I was back in the dating world mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. you know yep. and also having a conversation where you say nothing about themselves like yeah that was pretty very common with some brown right. men so yeah. You know, yeah I mean totally yeah. so like you can have that little game in your head and yeah. that just takes all the pressure off it creates a little joy if there's something you don't want to do like you don't like people saying no to you. I have a friend who went to the mall pre-pandemic and just went into stores and asked for ridiculous things. And sometimes she got a yes to them and walked out and went, oh, it's not so bad. I can collect no's, right? So I think turning things, one of the ways we get joy sucked, right, from us is when fear stops us from action. And sometimes that's a good thing. We don't have to run towards all fear. Yeah. But talk about that, the uncomfortable yes. versus uh, unsafe. Unsafe. Yes. Right. I was, I, that is right. also a post-it note, by the way. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> but so to if you do want to move through that fear, yes. so turning things into a game or turning your goals into a game, right? So mm-hmm. you, you have a certain follower count you want to get to or a certain revenue goal, turn it into a game figure out what would be fun. You know, what are the like milestones along the way that you want to go after? It can be awesome to do that. So that's one other one. And then I would say just at a basic level, I think the four basic ingredients or foundational ingredients of joy are connection, curiosity, creativity, and courage. And if you want more joy just in your day to day, every morning, ask yourself, what's one tiny act of connection I can do today? What's one tiny curiosity I can engage in today? What's one tiny thing I can create today? And what's one tiny act of courage I can do today? And just doing those will make your overtime, it'll snowball into like feeling like you're really filling up on joy just by doing those tiny things. So you don't have to do these grand sweeping things to be joyful. Right. You can do really tiny things. Yeah. What I, what I love about all the tools you mentioned is that they are very easy to do. Like you can just get a jar, get some jelly beans. And every time mm-hmm. you feel like you're doing something that might, you know, turn into something you can put in a jelly bean. Even the second thing of turning things that you're already doing. Okay, how can I make this more fun? How can I make this into a game? Like these are things that don't require a lot. You know, it's not no. like you're a- asking them to buy an app or, you know, do this tracker. No, it's just Mm-mm. simple things that people can add to their daily lives or honestly, even monthly on a monthly basis. Okay, well, yeah. what can I do this month that could add a bit more joy into what I'm already yeah. doing? Right. So I think it's just a mindset shift there too, right? Yeah. And when I say tiny, like really go for tiny. So when I think of like one of my examples, what's a tiny act of connection? It could literally be sending heart texts to one of my best friends just because I'm, you know, and it doesn't have to be related to the thing you're doing, you know, (laughs) or, you know, one tiny act of courage could be sending a text to an old colleague and saying, how are you doing? Because maybe I'm afraid to reach out or whatnot, right? Like there's just these really small ways that we can make changes that do have a found impact on our overall sense of being joyful. So true. That's so true. We're going into another chapter of the book or okay. section posted of the book now, just to bring us there. Uh, we talked about unwritten rules already. So yay, yep. that's the post-it. And this one is pretty big because This is something that not a lot of people used to talk about a couple of years ago, but it is gaining a lot of steam today, which is the nervous system and how Mm, that. I love that you're bringing this up. That's my favorite. I know. And it literally chapter says, hello, it's me, your nervous system. I loved that, by the way, so much. I literally said hello back. (laughs) It's okay. Of course (laughs) you you did. (laughs) Uh, Of course, I'm a little weird. But I just wanted to say, like, we talk about the nervous system. So 
obviously there's so much gold in your book about that and you go into mm. a bit more but for people listening today like can you share just some basics about the nervous yes, system and how yeah. it could act up and then we yes. can go into how that plays a role yeah. yeah. So just first of all, you have a nervous system. Yes. Um, we're not walking yeah. around floating heads, mm. even though we are taught <laughs> to be in our logical, rational brains all the time. We've got way more neurons below our neck than we realize. And, you know, our nervous system really is a guidance system and it does a whole lot of processing for us. And what it it really does is it assesses threat. So we have, there's, sort of controversy of how many F's there are, but there are at least four F's that our systems go into. So fight. So imagine, you know, oh, something's threatening to us. We want to run towards it, attack it, right? Flight, running away. Uh, Freeze, which is like deer in headlights, we don't move. And then fawn, which is sort of like almost a people-pleasing type. That's so interesting. I had never heard of fawn before. And freeze is also something I recently heard about. Yeah, it's about fight or flight. Fight or flight have been around and known for a long time. Uh, Freeze and fawn are a little newer, but let's make this concrete. So you make a post on social media and someone criticizes you. If you're in fight mode, if your nervous system is threatened, you might write an angry post back, Mm. right? If you're in flight mode, you might delete your post you might even go so far as to fuck, I'm deleting my whole account. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. So true. So um, many people do that. Like you say that right. sounds sounding like, oh, how like that's so stupid. Nobody will do that. I have no I have, creators yes. that have done that based on yeah. one comment. Yeah, totally. If you're in freeze mode, you might just sit there not knowing what to say. And then fawn mode, you might apologize, tell them why they're right. Try to appease them. And this is huge in content creation because it's not just in reaction to something that happened, like a comment, right? You can go into all of those modes before you even post. So if you're kind of predisposed to your nervous system is freaked out about something about, say, posting on social media, a fight response might be you write from a defensive standpoint. So true. Light mode might be, I don't even show up on social media at all. I don't even consider it. Freezes, I sit here to type something and I, my mind goes blank. And then fawn is constantly, okay, what do these people need? What can I make sure to, to appease them, right? And it's so, so our true. nervous systems are showing up every time we go somewhere. As you were saying that, there were creators that were popping in my mind too. Like there could be someone who has that fight energy mm-hmm. or who has that flight energy. So mm-hmm. it's so true. Like the energies you feel with certain creators too. Yep. So part of the, the joy equation is learning about your nervous system and learning about, you know, what are the things that are coming up for you and what causes that, right? So for me, you know, I freeze because I have a, a sense of perfectionism. I also freeze because I see a lot of nuance in things. And so I have a really hard time communicating. I don't believe in a lot of absolutes. And so I have a hard time communicating. Sometimes I have a part of me that comes up that really needs to give value and doesn't believe anything I have to say is valuable. So what is my response? Complete blankness. Yeah. And that's so ridiculous because I have known you for five (laughs) years this year and everything that I feel you say is so valuable. Like even when you're talking shit, I'm like, oh, that's the best shit I've heard. So that's so weird for me to also hear, uh, you know? Right. And just just a reminder, your favorite content creators out there are messy human beings behind the scenes. So true. Right. And so if you're yes. worried about how fucking messy you are and you're comparing yourself to what these people are showing on the outward, no, that we're all messy human beings. We're all having these nervous system responses. And the joy comes from understanding those and learning to soothe and then coming back to curiosity 
and creativity and courage, really, right. you know, how can I get curious? Okay. What if I do post this, what might happen? And sometimes if it's controversial, what if I get the courage? What if I get the courage to post more often and take up some space? What happens? And then learning how to manage all the nervous system responses that come along with it about like, I'm too much. I should go hide. I should go run, you know, whatever it is. Right. So there's a lot to learn from our bodies about, you know, what's taking away from our joy. And it's oftentimes a lot of this inner, these inner beliefs that perceive threat. Right. And you said something really interesting. You said there's a lot to learn from our bodies mm -hmm. on what's happening. And you did mention like those are the four ways we react. But mm -hmm. like we are kind of like those people who know who understand a little bit and how to understand what's happening with us. Yeah. Most of the people that I would say 95% don't know how to do that. Yeah. How can someone start? Like, how can they even figure out something is off? Something is weird. And this is, I'm, I'm in flight right now. I'm in fight right now. Yeah. Like, how can they start doing that? Yeah. So don't worry about having labels for it. Mm. Just notice your energy. Are you showing up to creating something tight? Mm. Right. Where does that end? And just get curious. Just even get curious about, do I feel sensations in my body at any given point? Right. right. So part of just reconnecting to your body is, finding little practices that allow you to, to be in your body, whether it's, you know, if you have a workout routine, working outs in your body, yoga's in your body, breath work, meditate, there's all these different ways to get in your body, but just starting to notice that you have a body response. And it could be noticing if you show up to a post with anxiety, notice that, oh, I have anxiety about this. Don't worry about figuring out what it is yet. And, and I will say, I want to make it clear. It's not just that our bodies are responding to threat. Our, our bodies also respond to the positives, right? So true. Yeah. Right. Joy lives in our bodies. For me, it lives in a pretty deep place, like kind of in my belly, but there's times when you get full body chills, that's your body. You know, there's times when you're like, I don't know why I'm doing this, but like, I just have this feeling that I need to, that's your body. And our bodies are are wired towards you can once you spend more time with it, which is it's a journey. And I'm still on the journey. I'm very much someone who was a recovering floating head. Once you start getting signals, then your your body will tell you when something feels joyful. So if I might say like, hmm, do I want to start a podcast with a friend? And I I might actually not ask myself the question in my head. I'll see how my body feels about it. But that's a journey that has taken me a lot of time because I have deliberately spent time getting to know my body signals. What's a yes? What's a no? What's a threat response? Right. And that's, and that's through so the true. The amount of time that you spent understanding. Yes. yes. Yeah. And I will say I'm a huge believer, whether it's therapy, coaching and having support for that. So I've had through both coaching and therapy, a lot of support in getting back into my body and I could not have done it on my own. And I also want to recognize a lot of people have poor relationships for good reason to their bodies, right? If they've had yes. any sort of physical trauma or we have a society of people who've been taught to be really conscious of their weight and their appearance and you know all that, don't go overriding that. If there's something that's not safe for you to go connect with in your body, don't do that. Go find the safe places to explore. I love that. And for me personally, like just like learning more about my nervous system really started with meditation. It was like, mm -hmm. oh, let me try one minute meditation. And I mean, it didn't work that well because I wasn't that focused. And then it went to journaling. And then I was like, all right, mm -hmm. let me journal a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then it went to obviously therapy and coaching mm -hmm. and all of that. So you're absolutely right. Like keep trying things and mm -hmm. but you're you hit the nail on the head when you said 
get support for it. Like you don't have mm-hmm. to do it alone. Like, you know, it can be in the form of therapists, form of coaches. It could be for mentors, whatever. But we have a lot of blind spots and we don't even yes. know a lot of times when our nervous systems are reacting or what it, as you said, we have a nervous system. Great. But what is, what's really happening? Is it like just yeah. anxiety? And so what is anxiety? Is this like something that's always triggering me? Is this a one-time thing? Yeah. Um, Being able to like even step back and recognize that's happening. Mm-hmm. takes a lot of time and effort and a lot of support it does and it's totally okay and for all the fellow floating heads out there you've been trained to be this way we have a society that's rewarded being intellectual being analytical being logical we've been taught things like our intuition are to be ignored and how often do you hear like in workout circles your body lies you know work harder work through your body isn't the best judge of things right so we have all these beliefs that tell us you know, don't trust our body. Don't listen to our body. Your body doesn't matter. And that's just, that couldn't be further from the truth. And there's a reason that so much of both in the therapy and coaching world, there's a a lot more focus on body-based techniques. And even some of my coaching work these days, I know that if I don't start at that nervous system body level with some of the work I do, I'm not going to help people with their their mindset or with their beliefs Mm. or with the things they want to go do. It's like a bottom-up process at this point. It starts pretty deep. I love that bottom-up process. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Literally and figuratively. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) it really is. (laughs) I love that so much. Well, Erin, it's been such a pleasure having this conversation. I think we have talked about I think everything from the book, because we kept showing the book. This book is awesome. But aside from that, we just spoke about how different things can impact our joy, mm-hmm. why it's important to talk shit about certain creators. A lot really talk shit. We didn't take any names, but you know, we talked about different creators changing things up and how mm-hmm. that feels good to them if that's good for their joy. And this conversation, I think, just goes back to the principles of doing things that bring us like fun, happiness, and joy is what's going to be the best for us in the long term, even though it mm-hmm. might not feel like it. And with that, before I go into my final question, could you let everyone listening today know where they can find you online? Yeah. So let's start with that beautiful book that you just kept hey. holding up. I it's, it's, I still get goosebumps seeing it. So go find Joyful AF on Amazon. Remember, it's F-U-L-L. And then two places to find me online. One is come find me on my website. You can hear more about what I do. You can also download a joy audit, which will help you get clear on where you are experiencing joy and where you're losing it in your endeavors right now. So that's AaronMBaker.com. Don't forget the M. (laughs) And then Michaela. Dance for Michaela. And then, you know, we talked about social media and do find me on Instagram. I go in and out of joyful posting, but I'm always present there. And like I said, over and over again, I love conversation. So send me a DM, share an insight you've had or ask me a question, or if there's something you're stuck on, I am so down to have a conversation and try to help. So at that's Dr. Aaron M. Baker. I love that. Awesome. All right. Now on to our final question. What advice would you give to Aaron Baker who was starting to write this book? What is one thing you know now, two years after writing a book and being a best-selling author that you didn't know when you were starting to write this book? Mm, that's such a great question. And it's so clear for me, which is have the patience for the right message to emerge. So if I had been super committed to life in the end, turning into a book and then hired someone who was okay with me doing that, I would have had a very different book. It would have come out in a few months 
And this was the book that needed to come out of me. And it needed the time. It needed the process. It needed the space. So have the patience for the right book to emerge. Have the patience. Be in the long game, right? Have the patience for the right thing to come along. You don't have to have anything overnight. And chances are the overnight thing is not the right thing. I love that. I love that so much. What a great way to end this podcast. And like Aaron said, do read the book. Honestly, I've been reading through and you can see the post-its. I mean, you'll see it on uh, the blurbs and stuff uh, on YouTube. But for people listening, I have read this book. I loved it, especially the things that you can actually do. It was so practical. It's so tactical. You can actually do these exercises to add joy into your life. So highly, highly recommend. And until next time, you got this beautiful. Well, beautiful, it is my hope that this podcast has inspired you to create your own podcast. Remember, you don't have to quit your 95 to do it. And if you found value in this podcast, you're going to love my free training video on how you can get started today. DM me the word Ficy Chai on LinkedIn and I'll send it over to you. Until then, lots of love from your favorite. You got this beautiful.